Welcome to This Is Me. My name is Siobhan. We all know someone with a battle. This weekly podcast is where I talk with everyday Australians as they share their life-changing moments. Some of these stories are sad, but all of them are inspiring. In this episode, we hear Emma's story. Hi, my name is Emma. I'm 40 years old. I have two little boys. One is eight, the other is four, and my four-year-old's name is Charlie. And when he was born in 2015, I was told not long after that he had Down syndrome. There's some stains on your photo. They all cracks on your rusty frame. How long after were you told that he had Down syndrome? I was probably told within 10 minutes of his birth that it was likely. It was confirmed via blood test about three or four days later. So I was born in Maryborough, which is a little town in Queensland. I wasn't there for long, grew up in Brisbane. I have a younger sister, a father who was from Korea and had lived here for maybe about six or so years. And my mother's Australian and they met in South Korea and got married and she fell pregnant and then she flew back to Maryborough and gave birth. I don't have a lot of memories of going anywhere special or you know, having extravagant toys or anything like that. Most of my memories are just all sleeping in the same bed or having tickle fights. We all would sit in front of the TV every night and eat dinner, like a picnic. My mum always used to say, because she worked full time, she was mostly a single mum. My parents separated when I was five. I remember her even as a child saying to me, quality time is more important than quantity time. It was just fun. Did you have any worries back then? Not outside of anything that f- probably feels normal in reflection. Um, you know, I remember you know feeling like you know you didn't belong or you wanted to fit in more, be one of those type of kids that wasn't different. I was different in school, like I was half Korean, so I always looked a little bit different, which was difficult up until I was probably in my early teenage years. I had a very typical teenage life, to be honest. Probably didn't do anything crazy. I've always been a very straight-laced, pretty quiet person. So when did you meet your now husband? I met him when I was, just before I turned 21. He worked with my sister in a casual job just out of school at Kmart. And yeah, we dated from when we were 21. I think we got married when we were 28. You know, not long after, I feel like my 30s became the year of trying to fall pregnant and starting a family and buying a house. So we have spent a great chunk of our lives together, Mm. definitely. So you looked at having children in your 30s? Yeah, not long after I think I turned 30. Children were never a major thing that I wanted, but it was something that Nathan, my husband, really always wanted to be a father and when we started to try to have children it wasn't that easy for no reason other than just naturally Mm -hmm. you know it was difficult to fall pregnant it was difficult to carry pregnancies I kept having miscarriages at the beginning and that's probably when I realized I really did want to have a baby more than I realized it probably took about 12 months of trying and then like every story of anyone that's had difficulty it just kind of happens when you're not you know, focusing wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. on it. So you've got two boys? Yes. 
Tell me about the boys. So William is just an absolute delight. He's eight years old and he has always been just the most wonderful baby. You know, one of those trick babies that you hear about. He was an easy baby and he was such a pleasant little boy. Yeah, he's just been a pleasure to watch grow up. And then you decide to have another baby? Yeah, decided to have another one. You know, we tried and um, fell pregnant, would go to scans, there'd be no heartbeat. And again, there was no rhyme or reason for it. You know, I'm a fit and healthy young, you know, woman and my husband is the same and they would just, they'd just say to us, it's just not meant to be. So with my second pregnancy we would have to go in earlier for earlier scans just to make sure that there was a heartbeat and that the baby was growing okay but for both of them once there was a heartbeat there was no problems after that. So you fell pregnant with your second child? Yes so um, fell pregnant with Charlie and everything just was perfect as in, you know, went for all of the early scans. There was a beautifully strong heartbeat, had a very textbook pregnancy, eagerly anticipating the arrival of our second little baby. Did you find out the sex of the baby? No, I really didn't mind either way, whether it was a girl or boy, so I didn't find out for either of the children. So you went through all the typical tests that you have during a pregnancy and everything came back fit, healthy baby. Yeah. I don't know if it's fit, but a healthy baby. I just thought that there's a beautiful, healthy baby I can see on the screen that's alive and, you know, is going to be with us in 20 weeks. And that was the main thing I cared about. Did all the checks and everything was fine. The lead up could not have at all in any way prepared me for what was around the corner. Like there was no sign at all. So I left work on Friday for maternity leave and my waters broke as soon as I got home. I not only had the baby, but I not long after that found out he had Down syndrome. The obstetrician that came in after the birth, and this is, you know, literally, I'm still on the table, it's 10 minutes after I gave birth to Charlie and I noticed he was in there checking him but didn't realise he'd been called in specifically to check him because the midwife had suspected he had Down syndrome. And when he was talking to me about the possibility, he said to me at one point, some people call children like this mongoloids. And I was like, do we? Like, I just remember he sort of was looking at Charlie, he came over to the bed Nathan was sitting on the chair and he said, Nathan, can you please come over here? I want to talk to you both about some concerns I've got about your son. And, you know, you sort of like anyone that's given birth, you're already lying there thinking that you're exhausted and just happy, like the baby's here and it's alive. So you've gone through that elation of thank God labor's over, the baby's here. And he says, I've got some concerns about your baby. I just remember being in shock thinking, what are those words? Like, what could be wrong with him? I can hear him crying. And he said, looking at your child, do you think it's normal that he looks Asian? And this doctor was actually Asian, which is the ironic nature of that comment. And I said to him, I'm half Korean. I said, what is your point? And he said, well, I think it's likely that he has Down syndrome. And I'm thinking at that point, like, what does this mean? 
And he said, you know, there are some people that call the child mongoloid. There are some people that believe the mixing of blood, like your blood and your husband's, like you're half Asian, that can cause it. And then he left it and said, we can't test. It was Saturday. He said, we can't test until Monday. So we'll have to come back and draw blood to be sure. And he said, but you need to prepare yourself for the fact that it's highly likely. And he said, I just hope to God I'm wrong. And the nurse came over, the midwife came over and said, do you understand what he said? And I'm going to get emotional thinking about it. Sorry. And yeah, that was kind of... That was the beginning of probably three really horrible days in hospital where, you know, um, we went back to the, um, the room and people would come in like this woman, this nurse came in and said, I'm going to bottle feed your baby because you've just got so much on your plate. He's not going to be strong enough to breastfeed. I remember her just sitting to my left on this chair and I was like, I'm okay, I can feed the baby with a bottle. And she's like, no, no, you just rest, you've got so much going on. And then this other nurse came in and they'd all just do all these checks on Charlie and then one of them said to me, look, whatever you do, just don't Google. Just don't Google Down syndrome. Just try not to think about it. I encourage you to take photos of your child still, like even though you've been told what you've been told. I just remember having all these moments sitting in this bed thinking, am I ever going to be able to work again? Like, what is wrong with this baby? And I remember looking at Charlie and he just looked like a baby. He still cried when he was hungry and everything, you know, that every other baby does. And thinking, what am I not seeing or not hearing? And just imagining my life being completely different. I'm a full-time working mum and wondering what sort of future... I was walking into. There was a nurse that probably on day two or three sort of came in and she was like the person I've gone back and thanked the most that sort of came in and went, you do know if you want to breastfeed your child, you can. And... Because I'd, I'd done it with Will, I just, I imagined that I would do it with Charlie. And she was like, you know, I know what everyone else is saying, that he's not strong enough, but we can try and I've seen people do it. And, and she really just kind of, you know, took, took over the reins. And because of her and her ability to see that I wanted to do that and it would be the right thing to help me bond with this baby that I'd barely been able to hold. And Charlie absolutely could breastfeed and it wasn't very difficult. From that moment on, it was like the turning point for me that I sort of went, if I don't feel comfortable with something happening, I can say, you know, 
this is my baby and this is what I want. Who was the first person that you both told? My mum and my stepdad and my brother-in-law and my sister were all waiting in the waiting room. And so after the paediatrician left the room, Nathan went and got our family and they came into the delivery room. And I just, that was the first time of many times that I just cried. I just sort of said, this is what I've just been told. And I just remember crying and they all just looked at me like I was the craziest person in the world. Like they were like, it's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. On reflection, talking to them all, like my mum said to me that at the time she just felt scared. You know, she was like, what is this baby going to be like? Are we going to love this baby and be able to connect with this baby in the same way that we do with William? Because at that point, William was the only grandchild in the family. And my sister has incredibly lovely values and just was like water off a duck's back. Like, this is just our baby. He's here and he's happy and healthy. This is just something that we're just going to have to work through. The notion of anyone telling you that there's something wrong with your child um, or anything different about your child that's not expected and any level of intellectual or physical disability sort of lives in a world of fear because you think, what sort of a life is my child going to live? I remember thinking after Charlie was born that had I had known this, I would have just visualised him the mm. whole time and in a stereotypical way and just imagined what he would have been like and I don't think that would have been positive for me or for him. Do people actually, yeah. I feel pretty uncomfortable asking this actually because I can't imagine it, but do people actually terminate pregnancies at 20 weeks because of Down syndrome? Yes, they do. 95 to 98% of people terminate at that point because of Down syndrome. So it's, it's an astronomical number that's very hard to even comprehend. There are laws in Australia that can even allow people to do it beyond that point if they don't want to have a child with Down syndrome. The most common option in nine out of 10 cases when Down syndrome is confirmed is abortion. Now there's a simple blood test for Downs, the non-invasive prenatal test or NIPT. The main things that we focus on for Will and Charlie is that Charlie will develop in his own time, that some of the, the milestones might be slower than others, but that doesn't mean he's not going to get there. As a family, we had to learn how to sign, and so even explaining to Will the importance of that, that we needed to bridge the gap between Charlie um, trying to communicate now and what it would look like in the future and that sign would help us do that now so that we could talk to him. So absolutely there are times when he'll say to me, I wish he didn't have Down syndrome. Um, you know, most recently talking about him getting ready for school and he said to me, you know, him being at school, Mum, and not being able to do what other kids do, he's like, it's just not fair. And I said, oh, I know it's not fair. I said, but mate, life isn't fair. It's all different. And I said, but guess who doesn't care? Charlie. He's not bothered by it. So we should just show him that it's okay not to be able to keep up with everyone else. Do you worry about things as he gets older? Um, look, not yet. And maybe that's a little bit of just naivety on my behalf. But 
I just think in the early days I worried about so much it was just it was constant um, I'd worry about when he would crawl and walk and sit and so many things you know what I think he will be just fine he is um, incredibly stubborn he's got a lot of self-confidence he has the most beautiful ability to just win people over and people just show an interest and a kindness that I just am so thankful for so I think we're lucky that he's growing up in a time where people are really trying to change the mold for people with a disability to find meaningful employment and have a good life. In the early days, I used to carry Charlie around in a baby Bjorn with him facing out and it was the best comfort for him and I. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me and just would say, oh, he's so cute. You know, you're so lucky to get one. Or someone would come up and say, I've got one too. I remember saying to my mum, I just feel like, like that, they're just coming up and going, oh, you know, they're trying to offer words of comfort, but in a way that make him seem more different. It's... And she said to me, you've got to understand they're only doing it to try to make sure you know that they think it's okay and they just have got the execution wrong. But I think if someone goes out of their way to talk to you and they're trying to do it in a positive way, we've all met people that just can't execute that in the right way and say the wrong thing. You know, I've heard stories within my mother's group on the other side of town where someone go up to them in the grocery store and say, you know, they have tests for that. I've only had on two occasions where I've had people pointing and laughing, maybe six or seven adults, and they were whispering and staring and, like, extending chairs back, trying to get a view. (laughs) So my son wears a hearing headband, and I thought, I don't even feel comfortable putting his headband on him for hearing Mm. because I'm worried that that's just going to tip these crazy people over the edge if I add another layer of disability to this child. And so I just sat there not saying anything. And, you know, my sister said to me later, well, why didn't you just go up to them and go, like, have you got a problem? And I said to her, because I can't show my kids that that's how I react to anyone that's not okay with us. It's like, you've got, and I also don't want to add to their story. Like they saw a Down syndrome person at the restaurant and then a crazy woman went and attacked them. Like, it's just, you know, you can't play into that Um, And thankfully, I've not had a lot of that, but it's the most horrible, horrible feeling. And in contrast, those comments are nothing. He is a human being with feelings, and it's not okay to make him feel less than that. There are adults with Down syndrome that understand what's going on, that are seeing people debate whether or not People with Down syndrome should be terminated at birth. And you think, this is someone's life. And that's what I probably don't understand the most, is that they're just human beings. They're different, 100% they're different. But so are so many other people. And like we always say in our family, why would you want everyone to be the same? Like I have no doubt Charlie being in his social circles that he's in and kindy and in school next year, that he will add value just by being himself, not by trying to keep up and be like everybody else. What has this experience taught you? What have you learned? I have two beautiful boys and it just doesn't look like what I imagined it would look like. But it just 
is hard to imagine in any other way because this is just the reality and it works so well for us. It's just meant to be. There's some stains on your photo Down Syndrome Queensland is a registered charity established by parents in 1976. They work for a better quality of life for people with Down Syndrome by supporting and strengthening families and promoting positive and realistic images of people with Down Syndrome. They aim to build community awareness, provide support and empower people with Down Syndrome to take their rightful place in their community. Call them on 1300 881 935.